dwelling in the darkest depths of the mind. It's time for Mark D. Valenti and Brain Burrow. Hello, everybody. This is Mark D. Valenti, and this is another episode of Brain Burrow. This is one of our Digging Deep sessions where we have a chance to talk to our guest, and our guest has a chance to talk about what motivates him, what does he fear, what does he value? And then you, as the listener and viewer, have a chance to say, how does this apply to my life? So I'm very pleased to say on the show tonight, I have Mr. Neil DeMonte, and I'm going to hand it over to him by asking him the open-ended question, who exactly is Neil DeMonte? Hi, everybody. And Mark, thank you for having me on your show. Um, let's see, for that question, I would say a, a folio just trying to make it in the universe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that was a very succinct and intriguing answer. So talk about more, what does that mean exactly? Why did you mention that specifically? Well, I always crack jokes about everything. I'm always trying to make, trying to keep the peace in rooms and people are trying to like, you know, fight or argue. I was trying to get in there and try to, you know, get them to calm down and crack mm-hmm. jokes all the time. But like, yeah, I just, I don't think I'm anything special. I'm just like a goofy guy who just happens to like, I just want to make something that's very relevant to the universe. Like there was movies like when I was a kid, actually, yeah, when I was a kid growing up, I used to go to keep seeing movies all the time, like Aliens, RoboCop, Terminator. And I don't like the, a lot of the movies I see do, like being done today, I would not pay to go see everything twice ever again. So I want to bring that whole magic of Hollywood back to to the next generation for things that I love doing and the th- stories that actually like intrigue me. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting motivation. So why is it so important to you to bring that sort of joy and interest back to the public? Well, truthfully, it's like you know, when I was a kid, my dad um, it was the coolest thing. He used to work for Airwise, which is a HVAC company. So he used to do like, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that's heating and air conditioning installation. So he would come back home and he would sit on the staircase and have his beer and take off his work boots. And my sister and I would sit there and stare at him like he's like the big, powerful guy like this. And he goes, take your kids to a carnival. And we're like, wow. And then he would take us to this carnival, like any carnivals that would come into town or just like little fun events to go to, like Santa's Village and things like that back in Chicago. And he always told me something that I, I hold present to this day and I hold uh, true to this day. He told me to never give up your sense of wonder. Hmm. He said, like, always keep... Like he said, like, you know, obviously we're all growing up and we have to deal with adult crap. But it, he always said to kind of try to see the world through the eyes of a child all the time. And I really, even though I have a lot of horror stuff that I do, I really want to have that be, in, be like a, a very big presence in pop culture. Um, so it's kind of like that was my big motivation wanting to do the things that I do. I, like that's why I turned down a lot of work for certain, for certain things because I'm not happy doing it. I would rather focus on my own stuff and really put my heart and soul into that. I want people to have that movie going experience where you, like Steven Spielberg did when you were a kid and you watch E.T. You came out of that theater at first heartbroken, but then you're like, it's just some magic that, that was there that I don't quite see in cinema a lot of the time right now. Hmm. So I really feel like I really want to, my effort to do something like that to give kids that same magic and that same sense of wonder that I had as a kid growing up. That's a very interesting and powerful perspective that you have there, Neil. Uh, it sounds like your childhood, whether it's the movies or your father, have had a huge impact on your life. Yeah, they did. I had a really wonderful childhood. I'm lucky. Um, my mom and dad were together up until my dad passed away. Hmm. He passed away about 13 years ago. And it's been difficult for our family because he was the rock that held us together. But I just had a magical childhood. Like my, we always did family trips together and hung out together, watched movies together. Um, so like it was never like I just never felt like I was like alone. You know, like hmm. I, I always had a safety net when I would come home. And I really, uh, I really love that too. Like back, plus when we were kids too, you can like ride your bike in the street and like stay out till like midnight. You never had a risk of being shot or kidnapped or, you know, like, a, you know, so it's kind of like, 
I see so many problems in the world now like that. And I feel bad for the kids that are growing up now. We don't even talk to each other. They sit there on their cell phones and text each other when they're across from each other. And like, you don't have, there's no communication between them. They don't go out and play together. They don't like, it's just weird to see that. And like, I have a lot of friends that I was close friends with in childhood and I'm still really good friends with right now. Hmm. And like the time, and like, even if I don't talk to them for like a year, which I don't, like we, we all stay in touch and work too. Um, there's a magic that keeps us all together. We all talk about like our childhood stuff, but we talk about you know, adult problems now too, but we always talk about our childhood memories and everything. And like when I meet people nowadays who don't have childhood friends, I kind of get a little sketchy on them. How can you not have any childhood friends? That's really weird to me. Mm-hmm. And like that usually like my friendship with them will not quite be as close as people who do have childhood friends and things like that too. So I think that's where that whole thing stems from. Yeah, I mean, thanks for talking through that. And uh, again, it really is that powerful, as you said, magical stemming from a magical experience magical influence on your life now do you ever feel like you waver from that perspective i mean you feel very strong about it and it seems to influence many things do you ever waver from that no i'm I'm kind of very i'm kind of very like i think like when i was when i was first starting the film business i would take a lot of jobs just to kind of do them Mm. the companies but like um i just wasn't too crazy about the products that i was getting but I just kept like sticking to my goal and just, you know, sticking through it and everything too. But I eventually started working as a producer in the last two years. And, and now I'm starting to take the products that I did, that I came up with a couple of years ago, with a couple, even with my writing partner, Neo at the time. And we want to like put those together and get those things going right now too. So um, I never got jaded because of it too, because, you know, like with the film industry, you've got to have a really tough, you've got to have a really tough skin to deal with a lot of stuff too. Um, if there's, but what I found out is too, instead of, if you get rejected by one place, that's not the only venue. There's so many other things you can do nowadays to get your stuff out there that you don't really need to necessarily have the studio system behind you. It's a great point. You know, it's about not uh, giving up after one or two or 10 times. It's about yeah. keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, you know, you mentioned about having tough skin and clearly, you know, you're able, you're able to be resilient in this industry through this tough skin where do you think that comes from? Um, you know, honestly, I think it's because I have like a big heavy metal background. <laughs> like okay. a, I know like like rock people tend to, I don't know, I don't know how other people are. I'm very influenced by like rock music, like Megadeth, Slayer, Testament, bands like that. Um, I grew up listening to that stuff and going to pits when I was like in, like, in the kind of punk rock pits too when I was growing up. And you get like, you know, like a push around everything like that too. But then like um, a lot of it, I think a lot of it came from too, like I never like, like I used to get bullied like in seventh and eighth grade. And I think because I stuck through that and I never let the guys who bullied me like see me get, get me down. I would go home and cry in my room, but I stood up to them and I wouldn't let them, like I always wouldn't back down. So um, I think a lot of that actually was translated into like me actually just like, you know, getting stronger because of it too. Mm-hmm. Like I, like going through that period of time, you know, like we were, back when you're like in junior high, you're always insecure about how you, how you feel, the way you look, the way the clothes you wear. And, um, we were getting bullied because of that. Um, I think like uh, it gave me a lot of a pretty thick skin. So I think once I got into high school, I made a lot of friends. I started playing in bands and doing, doing music. Sure. That was kind of like my therapy. I think like playing drums, like if I got aggravated, I would go and like beat the crap out of a drum set. I felt really good. But I was also doing something creative and creating, giving something birth, which is music. Obviously. So that's, I think, where that came from as far as like being able to kind of push through and get past all that. Yeah, that's pretty introspective. And it, as you said, it sounded like it was therapy. It sounded like it was your outlet. It was just a way to sort of release some of these feelings and uh, also be creative in the process, which I think is pretty um, interesting and cool. 
Thank you. So the question I also, I don't always explore, but sometimes I do, uh, you know, during the last two years, specifically, obviously the pandemic, everything that's happened, how do you feel that your personality and your experiences helped you through all of that? One thing, I, which is going to sound really funny, because one thing I've learned from the pandemic is I really like being alone. Like I don't have, you know, as long as I talk to people on the phone occasionally, I just like being alone. I just don't really have this need to have, to have my to have myself be validated by someone else's existence hmm. if, that, if that says anything weird about it. yeah i mean like during the pandemic um i know we're still technically speaking in it um i had a uh, i probably saw like maybe see my mom my sister and like three friends in about about a year and a half i just they had to make sure you know, we had to make sure we're all staying safe and everything like that too because some of them have health, health conditions so um I just kind of got used to being alone, but then when the whole thing happened, I'm like, well, I'm just going to take this time and not treat it like a vacation. I'm going to work my ass off on my own personal stuff and start cranking things out. So I got online. I found a bunch of concept art things. I was, I was putting all my packages together for all the stuff that I wanted to do, but didn't have time to finish due to, due to my crazy work schedule. So that was really, it was, for me, it was very therapeutic. I mean, I like, I mean, I was getting back into shape too. I was starting, I was, I would get up in the morning, work out really heavily. Um, I'm going to hit, hit the computer, start like pulling up concept art pieces, drawing stuff, creating stuff, making outlines for projects, working on scripts, working with a writing partner. And um, that was, it was like really cool. It was almost like being in an art studio without having like anybody around you. Really. So I just kind of would do that. Then at nighttime, go for like late night bike rides to avoid getting COVID and not run into people. So um, I just did that every day pretty much. Just kind of really stuck to it. So it didn't really, so not being social didn't really affect me too much because I'm kind of happy being alone. <laughs> and I really love that. You know, I love that because it's make, it makes people already happy. I don't have any anxiety being having to you know, keep everybody entertained all the time. So it's like a puppet. So I kind of was a, not that that's my general thing, but uh, yeah, it felt really good to just be able to stay home, be very introspective and work on my own stuff and just stay focused. And that was kind of a very big thing for me to do during that time period. Yeah, no, I think that was, uh, it sounds like it really didn't impact you as much as perhaps other people who were really were social, you know, you weren't as social, yeah. so it actually didn't impact you. And in fact, you made a commitment to get work done as opposed to taking a vacation, as you said. Yeah, it made me happy too. It's fun. It's like it's like being a mad scientist in a laboratory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that I was sewing body parts together. That's next week. <laughs> Nobody yeah, said that, was... Neil. So I don't know where that comes <laughs> from. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just fun. Like, you know, it's just fun to sit there and let's be creative and do world building. Hmm. Have these ideas and, and have, try to make them come to fruition through color palettes with how this thing works, how this technology works. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, and I, I we got, got we got a nice hunk of stuff done ready to go. We're just like I'm, you know, just putting it in the last bit of, bit of touches on things. So it was kind of really nice for me to actually have a time to do that. That's that's fantastic. It sounds like it was a really enthusiastic experience for you. So I think that's really fantastic. Cool, Let's you. talk about your sense of humor uh, for a bit, because it's you know and I've seen it and you've mentioned it about your sense of humor. Talk about what uh, role humor plays in your life. Well, you gotta laugh. I mean, if, if you don't, if you don't laugh, you, you'll be like miserable as fuck. Pardon my French, but like that's all right. We just it just means we're ex, we all of a sudden become an explicit episode, so it's quite okay. Well, thanks. Well, we yeah, like my dad was really funny when we were growing up, but he never used to swear. He would just hmm. kind of like whenever I would swear, he'd be like, "Neil, stop swearing," and then I did. So I just I didn't swear until I got in the film industry. Then I started swearing again. <laughs> Sometimes people listen to you, like you tell them to do something and they don't. You're like, get the fuck over there and do it, and they will actually do it. So you have to kind of put mm. words in there. But honestly, what got my sense of humor going, honestly, is like I used to be a big fan of Night Court, Cheers, and Wings, and Seinfeld. So we used to watch those shows as kids, and then I went up to like high school and college, and it seems like that's what kind of gave birth to my sense of humor. Like Ryan Holdweed, you know, God bless him, who passed away, who did Night Court originally. Um, some of those they 
those shows like that, the one-liners are so freaking smart that like when they people say something, you have to come back with an answer like right away. And like kind of like was watching those news, they start to like get your brain working a lot too mm. because it was so like some of them, the, the insults are so bad. You have to listen to the and go, wait a second, did they just insult me? And I loved, I just love that aspect of those particular TV shows. That's kind of what gave birth to my sense of humor. So I try to like do that in conversations now without, without making fun of anybody. But sure. Just to keep things, you know, enlightening when you talk to people, I don't sit there and be like, so who was your day? <laughs> I can't do that. I'm very animated when I talk. So I think like expressing things like how characters are on TV shows, I kind of picked up on that. And that's what kind of fit into the most yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, and I think I like what you said too about not using it to hurt other people, right? I think of um, Ryan right. Reynolds, right? So Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> when, you, when you talk to him in real life, when I'm not talk about when he's when he's on shows in real life, he's very self-deprecating. There was his humor is really focused inwardly, but as he plays Deadpool, it's the exact opposite. So I always think about that whenever you hear about the way that people and he uses the same sort of wit but it's it's just as the character deadpool he's always making fun of other people but as a yeah. person it's very um self-deprecating and what about <laughs> you i mean do you think uh do you use self-deprecating humor at all to navigate your life occasionally i do yeah like uh, like i'll make some jokes about like uh, like any kind of like funny like old dating history or something like that and, but then people find that people tend to find that endearing because you're not like some pompous bag. you're not like so like super overconfident in any kind of a way so i always make jokes like that too i know uh, I had a couple of meetings with George Clooney and he actually did that too. He would make these self-deprecating jokes and you're like, but you're George Clooney, you're like an Oscar. I think he's done. Like, he's like an Oscar nominee and everything else too. And he's just like, he does these jokes sometimes. And he totally cuts himself down, but it's, it makes him it makes him feel very much more approachable than he talks. Like, yeah. Like he's up on some pillar or something. No, I think that's a great point. And it, it's it's always, I always look at power differential in any any relationship, any conversation, right? So somebody comes in with a whole history that he has, as you said, Oscar nominated, been in the industry forever, has this, has power, right? So whenever you're communicating, mm-hmm. is that. So somebody who's very self-aware is purposely cutting himself down to make at least it somewhat more equal. And I think that's a pretty um, effective approach that it sounds like he employed. Mm-hmm. So. So what are you working on now? Well, I'm working on my own stuff right now. We have um we haven't we have a project that my writing partner, um, who I have in this particular project, we have a diehard with vampires project. We had out for a while and it was just too expensive a project to do. But then once I became a producer about a year and a half ago, I started getting back in that area. So I'm like, well, now that we have a finished product, let's see if we can, you know, start getting this out there. So that's a diehard with vampires. That's where to sum it up. Sum it up. We did it as a graphic novel, and we have an illustrated screenplay, kind of like how the guys did that whole big package to sell the Matrix. So the right half of this big book that we have is the actual screenplay. The left half, if you're too lazy to read the screenplay, which most people are, they have the left half that has all the concept art, comic book pages, character design. So you can literally look at the left half and like go through the story and not have to even look at the script, and we'll help. Hopefully, we'll help sell it. So we have a, we have a meeting we're setting up right now about that. Hmm. And then we've got a project called Still Small Voice that I'm setting up to direct, actually, which is my first feature film. And I have a producer attached to that right now. We're just basically, when the pandemic first happened, we we're actually talking about doing that, but now we're slowly opening up little by little. We're trying to see if we get back to working on that project. And um, so yeah, I'm just doing those for right now, just working on my own stuff. I'm writing a, I'm writing a suspense thriller, too, um, that's uh, called Darker My Love. I'm busy with that with another writing partner of mine putting that together and there's another world war ii supernatural thriller i've been putting together too and we're while we're doing the script i'm getting concept art done for that designing the characters looking at like, the settings and everything so i've been mostly busy with my own stuff really and like i did 
we did it. I just did a couple of, I, I was supposed to work on a movie called The Mother with Jennifer Lopez. Hmm. And I don't know what's going on because we were supposed to have a strike. And then like everything I put on hold for a bit. So I'm not too sure what's going on with it just yet. So in the meantime, while I'm doing that, I'm just like busy working on things. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, busy quite a bit there with every everything you're doing there. It's fun. It's like I said, it's just like being like a mad scientist lab. I'm totally happy. You know, yeah. Cranky stuff out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clear you're not sitting there stressed or anything else like that. It's a positive for you. How does it feel uh, to be working on your first feature? It's, it's like not as scary as I thought it was going to be because I did a, what I did was I did a couple of shorts to prove that I could direct. Mm-hmm. And um, they're both two of the ones that I directed are actually on Amazon Prime. Like one is called The X mm-hmm. and the other is called Jingle Trails. And it's funny because The X is a horror comedy and Jingle Trails is actually a film, is actually, a, which is funny, it's like a young adult, like children's feature. So like uh, when I got offered that job, I'm like, I'm going to direct a children's feature, but you see how all the stuff I do is blood and tits. So anyway, but they <laughs> thought I could do the job and I did. It came out really good. It was fun to work with the, with the cast. It was great. And um, so like when I worked on those, and I also worked on a TV show called Frontend that's being pitched right now. It, we did like four episodes. And um, that was a political comedy. That was my first time directing. So the first time, that was actually the first thing I ever directed. And when I did that, it was really nerve wracking because uh, um, when I saw the first, we did like four episodes and I did the first episode, the very first thing I ever directed. We, we saw, the editor put everything together and sent it to us. And I was not happy with it. It looked horrible. And um, my friend who's a professional DP came in and said, hey, you're a storyboard artist on big movies. You can't let this kid out. So we need to fix this thing and make it look good. So he actually, his name's Jim Harmon. So he was very like instrumental with helping me like put it together. We had to reshoot some stuff to make sure it was lit properly and make it look really good so we can actually pitch it for a TV show. And um, so that made me at first was like a little bit really nervous about it too. And I was like, oh my God, do I have the talent to do this? But then when he came on and kind of showed me you gotta do this and do this and kind of really taught me how to set up shots and that's what kind of really um, helped out quite a bit. So um yeah, so doing so now that I've done a bunch of things like that, too, I think doing a feature is not going to be as stressful. I mean, the, what I've noticed is um, my friend Scott Spear is a pretty popular director. He's actually the guy that I work with a little bit. He teaches me a lot because we work together quite a bit. Um, we're doing a project together right now. He told me um, back then, like uh, when you're directing stuff too, you're the you know you're in charge of everything but the catering basically. And I didn't really realize that until I was on set with the crew because when we shot um, when we shot Frontman. We had a full crew, like makeup department and everything too. And I was like, oh my God. And literally when you're trying to talk to an actor, trying to give them direction, you've got three people come up to you asking you about this. What do you think about this color pattern for so-and-so's underwear? What do you think about, you know, this background thing for here? And like, Neil, we need someone over here because someone's throwing up in a can. And you're like, what? I, what? So you have to make sure you're surrounded by a good production manager and two good first ADs and a good production, uh, you know, a, a good production team for your core. So everybody can kind of come to them and and go to, go to them with the questions and they come then your inner core comes to you and asks you questions when you wouldn't have time to do it so it's uh it's a lot of, it's a challenge big time challenge so like sure. so like setting up the feature is not really i luckily i've met a lot of friends who want to help me with things which is great so like it wasn't uh it, it's always a challenge and i always respect anybody to get a movie made too but at least now i have a nice core of people i can go to and say hey would you please support me and because i worked on so many movies with them they're like yeah we've seen what you can do so like just let's just go ahead and do it so I'm not that I'm not really nervous about it, so to say. Yeah, that's a thanks for again for sharing sharing a bit about sort of how you got to that point. But you're bringing up a really fantastic point that um, I know I've experienced quite a few times. I don't know if anybody truly understands until they do it what it means to be a director and a feature film and how much people look to you as the leader. If the, to your point, to the smallest thing to the biggest thing, people are looking at you. 
And, right. and so I think I want to explore that a little more. Um, you've just, you just talked about the importance of having a trusted team that you can delegate tasks to, which I think is right. an important part of it. Um, what else do you think? And, and when I say that, it's not just about being a director, right? Because I'm also talking about the parallel to if you work in business or in a hospital or something, it's being the leader that people are looking at. And that's what I look as a director, as a leader. So what other mm-hmm. things would you recommend to use or what do you think may be effective as a leader? I mean, you can talk about in the context of being a director, but what else do you think is important to be, to use, um, you know, what other strategies might be important as a director or leader? Um, well, first things have a vision. Mm. Like you can't, you can't go and not having a vision. For example, when I went to, like I learned from storyboarding that if you don't have storyboards as a template to kind of go off of, to kind of show your cast and crew what you're planning on doing that day, everyone's going to lose faith in you. Mm. And one thing too is not to like let, um, like I said, I'm a new director, so like, you know, take this for what it's worth. Um, the one thing I've noticed too is don't let people overstep their bounds. Like if someone, it was, it's like the editor, for example, says, oh yeah, why don't you put the camera here so I can cut to this? I'm like, well, I would never do a shot like that. And I know in my head how to put things together. So like, go sit over there and like, or, or you can just be nice about it and just say like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but we're going to do it this way because this is what I want to have fun with. So don't let people, um, if you're a new director, yeah, make sure you have the confidence to pull off your shots because if you don't like basically make sure you have like that cool that core inner team will all know what they're doing they'll know what they're doing and you know what you're doing you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a nice ambiance of things to make things work but don't let people overstep their bounds and walk up and say oh like like you have like the, you know like um, an assistant come over and say oh why don't you put the camera over here like, and they'll try to and if you if you listen to them it's your, your whole crew's gonna lose faith in you mm. so you can't do that um, but just really just having a vision. If you like, uh, it should be all in your head and how you're going to make all these shots come together. Sure. Um, and like sometimes you got to think too. Like with a smaller budget, we can't afford to do like major special effects. So how can we cheat this to make something look like it's disappearing and reappearing on phone, for example? Okay. You got to think to old school John Carpenter. Like, okay, how do I do this? And, like lock the camera, for example, and have everybody stand there like this. <laughs> then you okay. like would make make this thing like pop up in the frame like if they hold them and like lock the camera and put this item in the in, in the foreground then like uh say okay we're all action like have them hold the same spots and like just like start filming then it looks like something while we're doing this it pops up in the frame so and like uh i just maybe add a couple little you know sure special, special effects you have to kind of think in those lines when you're doing so really, I mean, thank you for talking through that. So it's really about, again, building trust with your team, right? Having a vision yeah. so people are saying, okay, am I going to follow this person? Do they even know where they're going? And then the storyboards represent the strategies on how to get there. So making sure that they at least know what's expected of them. It also sounds like not being, I use the term wishy-washy, right? Having a vision, but sticking through it, sticking to it, being open to suggestions uh, in certain contexts, but overall sticking to what you're doing. So you build the trust in your capabilities so people will continue to follow you. Right, exactly. Okay, that's, I think that's fantastic. And then as far as the special effects, I mean, the analogy, the, the comparison in any business would be know what you have to work with and how are you able right. to do that in a way um, you know, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like it's all based on the budget. If someone gives you a budget, you have to kind of think, okay, like, you know, some of this is going to go to the cast and, and everything too, but then we got to think if we have expensive special effects, um, how can we break these things down to like cheat these shots? So it's a lot of it's going to first work with people too, like get, get the stunts and get the special effect shots all worked out first, then go into everything else. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Thank you for talking through that. Very interesting. Very well. So, so we're actually uh, almost out of time. So I want to ask you one final question. Yeah. And um, throughout your life, you know, you've led an interesting life. You've done quite a few different things and had a lot of different experiences. You have your own philosophy. 
based on everything you've learned in your life, um, what advice would you like to give the listeners or viewers? Any topic you want, but just advice on living their life. Um, uh, let's see. Number one thing I think stay focused. Like I would, like I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a massive drinking problem like, that I developed when I was in high school. When I came out, of, went into college. I mean, I was like Tommy Lee bad <laughs> at one point. I was like, <laughs> back at party with me. Anyway, but that is a long story. But the uh, um, yeah, like I think try to keep your head straight because. Uh, like especially if you're coming into like the film industry too. I mean, I can see why people. I mean, not everybody does this, but I can see why people would do drugs and drinking because like just to stay awake and having to deal with the long hours and everything, it's rough. And it's a very big social thing too. Like the people who invite you out and everything too. There's always like free alcohol and stuff around all the time. Now just keep your head straight and um, stay focused on your goals. I think like um, had I done that, you know, ten years prior, I think I'd be in a much better place right now too. I think like. But then again, it's all, I, I, you know, I had a lot of fun experiences too, so I can't really like lie about that. But um, just keeping your head straight. And um, I like, I do, I listen to like, I listen to the band Rush. I probably quote them all the time. That's the band that when I was growing up, I listened to. And like, I created every single thing in my arsenal for every movie I've done, like everything I've listened to. Even like when I'm on set the first day, I'm wearing a Rush t-shirt, whatever we're filming stuff. Um, that band for, for me, it was just kind of like listen to the music, letting the music dictate what I do artistically. So um, there's a word for it. I think it's called uh, synesthesia. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you just let. It's kind of like a being able to hear hear uh, colors and see music. I kind of let that play in my head. I play I play Russian just sit there and stare off into space, and like these ideas are coming in based on the musical tones. I start drawing and creating to their music. That's what I do. But other people might have a clue that they're creating. But um, I think it's just like like I said. I think just make sure you keep reading. I think when you when you get when you read a lot of books, you're always inspired by different things you'll find in books that you won't necessarily find in film. And um, with books, when you read book, when you read a lot of books too, like your imagination takes place. You're not, you're not like picturing things you can see on a phone that's been done by somebody else. So reading, reading a lot of books actually helps a lot too. Just you look at the, look at science fiction, like, like old folklore, books about legends and stuff like that. Um, I think that actually helps out quite a bit too, as far as like sparking your imagination. That's wonderful. Thank you very much for that advice. I, I really love what you said about uh, you know stay focused, obviously, and. Uh... And keep that imagination going and reading in the way you just described that it uh, could be a very powerful lesson for people. So thank you for sharing your, your wisdom and thoughts, Neil. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, sure. And I want to also thank you, of course, for appearing on the show today and just kind of sharing a little bit about your life and, and what you're doing and um, just about you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It was, a, it was a pleasure to talk with you. And of course, I want to thank the listeners and viewers out there for tuning into Brainboro today. And on behalf of Neil DeMonte, this is Mark DiValenti for Brainboro. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. You just dug deep with Mark D. Do you want more? Follow Mark on Instagram at Valenti Horror and subscribe to the Brain Burrow Podcast. <laughs>